Hey guys, you're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I'm Neil Rubenstein, and today I'll be sitting in traffic talking to Brooke Van Poplin of True TV's Hack My Life. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I am pretty good. Wonderful. Is this is this already the podcast? Yeah, we're in it. We, we I don't mess around, really. Oh, my God. No preamble, no nothing. All right, we're just doing it. Where are you driving right now? I am uh, leaving my apartment on Long Island, Beth Page, and I'm driving to the city, driving to uh, right, right around St. Mark's Place. Oh, okay, do you have a show tonight? Yeah, I'm hosting a, hosting a show for uh, Laughing Buddha. Very fun, very fun. How have you been? Good. What, uh, when did you move to LA? Uh, in December. I kind of very quietly and sneakily just kind of came here. And uh, that's the way I like it. I ghosted New York. It was great. <laughs> did you, did you? Do you guys shoot out there? Do you do Hack My Life in L.A.? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was in the New York and New Jersey area for the first two seasons, but um, this last round of episodes, they uh, moved out to Los Angeles for the, um, obviously, the temperate weather. My co-host lives here, and he had done a lot of um, sacrifice in terms of coming to New York a whole bunch for the first year of shooting and yeah it was it just worked out great and it was uh it was like the reason I needed to just finally move out here so are, are you still doing a lot of stand up or are you focusing on on my hosting and stuff now um i'm still doing stand up but like i would say over the past couple years in general like i'm more like a a two shows a week three shows a week person like at the most, unless, you know, I'm getting paid to be somewhere, um, then obviously, like, you know, uh, I'll do more nights in a row if it's at a club or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's it's just been different. I feel like in, in New York, you can go, go, go really hard, and um, you can get really good really fast. And then just at some point, like, I started focusing more on trying, trying to actually make money as a writer and working in television <laughs> Um, and I love it. I love that you can hit up shows and whatever, but it's, you know, you know, as much as I do, like it it doesn't pay. Like I love all the wonderful bar and club shows in New York and LA, but yeah, you just kind of start to, you know, weigh like what's more important. Like, should I stay in and write tonight or go like get drunk and do comedy and spend money instead of make money and whatever. (laughs) And don't get me wrong. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that tonight, but, um, Do you do like do you use the show as like an advertisement for your stand up like like are you trying to sell yourself as a as a stand up by doing the other stuff or now the other stuff is the priority? Like, uh, I guess. Well, I mean, like anytime you're doing something that can help you find fans, it's a good reason to, you know, stay in the stand-up game and, and see, like, hey, you know, maybe this club will, like, actually headline me now, you know, because, like, it turns out, like, I've, I've 
earned fans because of a show being on TV for a bit or something like that. But I mean, like, I'm not like, I, you know, I, if I could just work and write and do television and stand up was just literally nothing more than a hobby, that would probably be my happiness, happy place. You know, I've never wanted to like seek like the kind of fame where I'm a household name. I've always felt like people, like I've done it for a long time and I feel good about my skill set and I think I'm funny. I just like, I don't like the lifestyle and I don't even like stand up that much to like completely <laughs> get my life over to it. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. I get that. Right. Where if it's like, you know, but you know the people who got popular from a show but don't have a fucking act and they go out and do it. Yeah. Well, like, I'll, I'll never be that. I'm 14 years in. I know, you know what I'm saying? I can do 90 minutes with my eyes closed, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least that's like if I get some bigger opportunities, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm definitely good at it, you know? Which is what I find interesting about what you said because the other people don't have an act and they're like, oh, well, I guess I'm famous enough I can book stand-up shows. Whereas, like, you're actually a good stand-up first. Like, I... I, I Yeah, and, you you know, call me snotty, but that kind of, uh, like, I really give a shit. Like, you know, and I I don't blame or make fun of some of these people. Usually it's, like, agents and colleges who are pushing, you know, these kind of newly uh, sort of popular TV personalities to go do it. So, and who doesn't want to make money and go be a goof on stage, but like, yikes, you know, like I have, you know, I judge myself too hard to ever be that kind of person who's like, yeah, I'll just go wing it. Like, oh my God, no. Yeah. I think that's something that doesn't happen in New York at all, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it does, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, they don't get to do their thing in New York is what you're saying, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they they don't. They, they won't get it passed. Like, no, you're not fooling anyone here. Like, well, right. like, like... You can go do colleges and stuff in the Midwest and special theater engagements, and it's great because, you know, you're honestly doing it for your fan base, and they probably don't even know what is good stand-up anyways. So it's like, I think it all works out in the wash, but I would be so yeah. insecure about, like, being like, yeah, let me do an hour, even though I've never done stand-up. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, but I, again, I guess that's because we've seen it. You know, we've like if you're not a stand-up and not doing stand-up in New York, like yeah. you don't see how brutal it can be to stand on stage for a few minutes. Yeah, exactly. Sure. No, some of these other situations are very cushy, and that's good. But yeah. 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 The nice. Soft entry into the world of stand-up that's not realistic or reflective of what it's actually <laughs> like to do stand-up in New York. Yeah. I mean, I give part of my anatomy to, like, be in that situation, you know? Like, I'd much yeah. rather do it the other way. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. Uh, um, did you – was was this a show that you pitched, or was this a show that, like, you got – you auditioned for yeah, this was a situation where I auditioned, and um, yeah, it's so funny. I mean, like, I never saw this coming, you know? I, I, It's just one of those things where you show up, and you actually book something, and then your life takes, like, a, a really interesting turn. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a really, really fun... It's almost two years ago since this whole process started, um, since I auditioned, and then we did a pilot presentation and then there was a long deliberation of whether it was going to get picked up and blah 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 but now it's like all moving really smoothly and um 
we're with a great production team and um yeah i'm I'm hoping that true orders another season that would be wonderful you're just starting season three right now right yeah it's technically called what is it called the season two mid like season two mid-season premiere or something like that that's kind of uh, okay. yeah they you know it's um whatever <laughs> it's it's tricky tricky con contract sort of talk so uh yeah, it's still technically season two, even though we'll be going, making our fourth cycle of shows if we do another, get another episode order. So hopefully it won't be called season two C because that would be awful. Right now we're in season two B. <laughs> it's just like four years later, it's like season two part J. I know. Well, you know, and like insider talk, it's it's contractually, you know, um, th- then that would like they don't have to give you a big increase if it's like part two of a second season. Ah, okay. Right? Real quick. Real quick. TV network. On the other side of it, though, it's like, well, you can't count, but it's still the same season. Yeah, no, it's, it's to- I mean, it's totally cool. This is a pretty common practice. Um, and it, it also, like, happens a lot in reality, you know, television programming, so. Do you. Uh, do you write for it at all or no? No, I can't even imagine the job that um, the, the writers and producers have cut out for them. It is really, really hard to find um, a hack that has enough of a something to make like a full television segment around. And, you know, um, I give them so much credit for thinking of, like consistently, consistently inventive ways to make some, you know, some of these things we do are very small, you know, and to make it really funny and to put a lot of like competition or like, you know, put like a a ridiculous build a set around it to make it seem so much bigger than it is. And um, I give like our writing and production staff a lot of credit for making uh, life hacks really fun and interesting. It's very energetic. Show. It is. It's it's cut together. It's just fast, 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 fast. Lots of stuff. Lots of it's, like bell, bells and whistles, colors, noises, sounds. It's yeah. It's very attention grabbing. Yeah, it's like it's one of those shows where like, oh shit, I've been watching this for four hours. I Jesus, I have to go through no, something else with my time. But I love shows like that where you can kind of come in at any point. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of learn something, tune out, tune back in. Um, I, like that's how I am with like House Hunters <laughs> or like yeah, yeah, all those shows like Rehab Addicts. I and don't shit. know. Like, yeah, there's something very soothing about just kind of um, you know being able to just pick up at any point during a TV show. But was there? Was there a moment, like, when you were writing, like, Girl Code or whatever, was there a moment where you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing, and, like, kind of, like, was hosting this show a surprise because, like, mentally you had decided you were something else at that point? No, no. Um, like, I, I am a writer, and I will continue. I feel very strongly that writing will be, like, how I stay alive in this industry, hopefully till I'm old and gray. That is definitely what I'm good at and where I see an actual consistent paid future for myself. But um, probably two or three years ago, I I purposely walked away from being a producer and a writer 
on a show that I didn't get to be on because I wasn't done giving it a shot with myself as an on-camera personality. Um, I wanted because it's a it's a very demanding job. I love it. I loved the staff I worked with. It, um, you know, at MTV, Girl Code and Guy Code are two of the coolest staff with some of the funniest cast members ever. Like amazing show but um i didn't want to go down a road of just being a television producer like that's not why i started any of this but it was amazing amazing um work experience you know it really because i'm just interested in working in television period but um it's tempting it's hard to walk away from that money it's really great money but i um just you know i just had a lot in savings and was like, I'm going to take a stab at making my own web series. I want to audition more. I want to get more of my projects out there. And, you know, I feel pretty happy. Like within five months of kind of walking away from a job, I managed to like book a TV show and also get a web series um, off the ground. So I use my time very well. But Do you encounter a lot of ageism or sex-based ageism being, uh, you know, uh, you know, you've been you've been doing stand-up for 14 years or 15 years or whatever. Like, are you competing with girls much younger than yourselves for the same kind of things? Like in what? Like in stand-up? Uh, it, no, in in television. Um. Well, you know, the way I work is just like I'm. I'm the kind of client and the kind of comedian and writer who like. I'm not doing the grind like other actors are doing, you know, like I'm one of those people who is just always pitching my own projects, you know? So I, I honestly would have to say, I don't feel it. I don't notice it. Um, because I'm not going out for things where, you know, I'm pitted against someone who's maybe like a 23 year old model because that's not what I get called out for when they, when they cast you, you know, I tend to go out for, like, the acerbic sort of, like, sarcastic friend. Um, you know, when I do get cast, it's, it's pretty on, on type, you know, I have to say. Yeah. And if I don't book it, it's not like I'm watching the role happen and it's just, like, a model got the role. I've gone out for really specific things and really awesome people have ended up booking it. And I've never really felt... I've just felt jealous of their talent, not of their, like, sometimes they're older than me. Like, I've auditioned for Louie, you know, and um, it's amazing to see what you go out for and then see, like, Maria Bamford get it and be like, oh, my God, she's perfect for it. And that role is, like, so made for her or whatever. Like, so, you know, um, I think because I'm a personality more than an actress, I don't, I'm not facing it. But I'm not saying that it's not out there. I just don't kind of do the typical Hollywood thing. I'm also just not really that involved in L.A. yet. I've barely even been here <laughs> since, since I've moved here, you know. Well, yeah, you went there with a role already, like with a, a job already. So I, you, you probably have a strong advantage over over the rest. Sure. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just the thing is, like, I like to create anyways. And, you know, for a lot of people, if they feel like they can't just go out there and be picked and get all the parts because, you know, they've just got that perfect acting thing about them. I mean, like, I'm one of the many people who it's like, well, it's our job to make roles for ourselves then, you know? And I believe I believe strongly in that anyway. Like, I get scripts that suck and they're embarrassing. And I, I'm like, I don't want to play this stupid character that someone wrote. And it's like, 
it really motivates you to write, you know, the character you want to play. Did you move to New York to do stand-up? Oh, definitely, because I started in Chicago. Yeah, I I started stand I did Chicago stand-up for almost four years, improv, sketch, theater, and stand-up. I, like, trained like a motherfucker um, before I came to New York, and the reason I came to New York was because I started getting called out for auditions, so it just started to feel like there was more promising things for me in New York, and um, it was great. You know, I really hit the hit the ground running because um, I'd been visiting consistently for a little over a year and doing shows and making friends. Like, I would come visit, like, every six weeks. It's just the only thing I saved my money up for was to go do, like, five days in New York and then come back to Chicago, do my thing in Chicago, go back out again. And when I arrived, I had friends, and, like, it was nice. It got to a point where people weren't sure if I lived in, in um, Brooklyn or Chicago. And um, so I felt like I showed up and knew people. And then um, right away, Baron, like Baron Vaughn's like one of my very first good friends in New York. And he's great. And um, he would constantly have me host his weekly show for him because he like didn't want to host. He just like hated the duty of it and just kind of <laughs> wanted to do a, a guest spot on his own show. Because like hosting, as you know, can be like a real drag. But I'd been hosting yeah. nonstop in Chicago, and I was like, hell yeah, I'll host. And I, you know, came into New York with, like, I just worked a solid year as a paid host at, like, Zany's Comedy Club for, like, a year. So I was really, really confident in that role, and I immediately met, like, every New York person that I'd ever dreamt of meeting. Like, at that point, it was, like, 2007, 2006, something like that. And it was, like, you know, at that point, like, one of the only showcase shows was, like, Premium Blend on Comedy Central. And I would watch it religiously because I was, like, I want to do this. And it was so fun to meet, like, Christian Finnegan and Ophira Eisenberg and, you know, all these people who I was, like, wow, they're legends, you know. And um, it was a really cool introduction. And then when you're hosting a show, they just assume you're somebody. So it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember meeting you, like, right around then. And, uh, yeah, like, I thought every show was, like, yours and somebody else's. You know, mm-hmm. like, I remember that Baron Vaughn show. Aaron, did you do a show at, like, the Time Out New York Lounge? Um, no, I didn't host it. Like, I maybe performed on it, but I didn't, it wasn't my show. Uh, I thought, like, I feel like I thought, maybe you, maybe you performed it a lot, because I feel like I, I did that show a couple times. And you were always on it, and I was like, "Oh, this this woman's everywhere!" Like, like she must remember, put together every show. I remember the good old days in New York. You can't really say that about me now, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's it's just interesting. I did used to work really, really, really hard, and I was everywhere. And in probably 2008, nobody gave a fuck about booking women. There were about three women who got things a year, maybe, and so much has changed, and I don't, you know, I'm not alone in this line of thinking, but there's, like, a whole bunch of us who were kicking so much ass, like, six to eight years ago, and um, no, just nobody wanted to take chance, chances on women. Yeah. It, it was so stupid, and now, yeah. it's cool to be a, now it's cool to be a woman in comedy, you know, <laughs> and it's kind of like, and I'm a little, I don't want to say I'm over it, because obviously I'm still doing my thing, I do what I do, but it was just like, 
man, I gave so much of a shit about comedy back then. And it's really hard to continuously give a huge shit when there is 100% no opportunity that is being prepped for you or your friends or the other hardworking people who are females, you know, yeah. and now, now it's very different, but, um, I've watched so I, many people who I think are amazing, never catch a break and it's bullshit yeah. and all the male peers, you know, you know, have their careers break open like seven years before us and. It's very different now. The internet and all the ways that you can get your voice out there has changed a lot. And then just the industry and, and TV and all this stuff, it's changing. It's awesome. But, like, yeah, I'm like, whatever, stand-up, you know. Yeah. I remember there were, like, there were just, like, two, like, very female-centric shows. Uh, there was the Time Out New York Lounge. It's like, you were on it all the time. And, like, Nicole Polis was on it all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, there was like there were a bunch of women that I remember on it all the time. Like it was very women centric. And I remember there was like a Luna Lounge show. I remember Luna. Yeah, was that on like um there well there was Luca and Luna. Was it Luca? There were a couple, I'm not like sure. Cambry Cruz and Cheryl Hartsell and some other people really tried to make another East Village comedy club happen, and that was at Luca. And right, that was maybe really sad. Just, but Luna maybe was, was low, Lower East Side, I think. I can't remember which one it was. I thought it was Luna, but but now that you said Luca, like that sounds familiar too. But it was like an it was an all women show, and it was thematic, and it was like I feel like it was before that really was a thing. Oh, but now was you it can like, well, way back when at Mo Pitkins, there was definitely something called Chicks and Giggles. It was a very, like, and no, don't, like, don't get me wrong. Just because, like, there weren't opportunities doesn't mean that women didn't do nonstop what? amazing shows in New York City. There were just no opportunities. Like, no one was booking anyone for late night. No one was buying oh, yeah. scripts. No one was, you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. performed. I'm not arguing. Yeah, I'm not arguing. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah I'm yeah. not arguing. I'm just saying, well, I, I, I remember there was I just. Think, I didn't want you to think I misspoke. I'm just saying that, like, the whole, like, you know, the ratio of, like, getting into festivals, getting into blah, 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 where it was just, like, one girl would get to go out of, like, the 24 comedians they'd pick and shit like that, you know? Yeah, no, and, it's, I mean, it's still pretty bad, I think. It's still I mean, bad. It's no, it's easy, still bad. It's easier than it was. Yeah. I think we're, we're I think we're both on the same side on this one. I know, <laughs> I know. I don't, I didn't think we weren't. I, I was just saying that, like, yeah, no, no, I no, I didn't think that we weren't agreeing. Um, I'm just laughing at the fact that it's like, yeah, w- there were always amazing, like, uh, shows run by women, which some nights would be, like, maybe five women and two males, killer lineup the whole night. And it's like, it's like everyone was hip to it except bookers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everyone else yeah. is sitting there loving it, and then the people with the money, you know, are just like, oh, I'm scared. We can't trust women, you know, and it's just like, oh, get your head out of your ass. It's, you know, but it's it's good. It's, you know, it's certainly different, and it's going to continue to get better, but. Yeah, I think that's the important thing is that everyone keeps kicking down those same doors, so at some point they just stop being able to get put back up. I know, that's just it. It's like you do kick it down, then you're like, oh, now there's a plywood door. Damn it, you know, and it gets like <laughs> like like a weaker and weaker material. I'm like, oh, this one's balsa wood, you know, but like people keep trying to put these doors up. 
like the, like the, the one now is just like made of toothpicks and like held together by duct tape. You can totally get it down, but or or it's, like those it's still there. doors, like those mesh doors with the magnets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like it's weird getting through it, but you can. You just gotta put your foot you like through the. <laughs> just a little awkward. Yeah. But yeah, there's like so many good young female comics now. Like, I I host a bunch of open mics, and like I just mm-hmm. see so many, so many women come through now. Where I'm like, man, like this this girl's gonna be famous as hell. This is she's great. You know, whereas we didn't use to see, like, it was just those couple of shows where you would see, like, you know, a bunch of strong female comics, and then, like, the open mics and stuff were all, like, just... Open mics were truly, like, like, yeah, just bad news. And, um, yeah. I think what's happening, though, is, like, it's really, really popular to be a stand-up again, and a lot of us were, like you know, pioneers when we were still deciding to do it, like, in the early to mid-2000s, even though I think there's certainly a whole group that kept it alive and well in the 90s. But even then, still, like, it's now it's, like, the access that a young person has in terms of, like, getting a really good, quick education, finding someone that they like online, modeling themselves after that. You know, there's... It, I think it's a lot easier to to look at it and feel inspired, whereas, like, I don't know, I'd seen, like, a few things on TV and was just, like, I guess I'm supposed to take improv classes first. Like, I don't even fucking know. Like, like I don't know how to do this. And now I think it's certainly a little more – I'm not going to go ahead and say that anyone has it easier. I just think there's way more – information and like a real clear cut place to go to like start being a comedian where we made the shows. And now like 10 years later, people get to do the shows that we made, you know? Yeah. I think it goes for like almost every industry or craft now too. Like the internet has made it so much easier to get the information you need to be uh, competent at something. Yeah. And, you know, but I would say, I would guess, too, though, like, if you do soak up too much, that you might be influenced too strongly, which I think can still happen to any comedian. You know, we didn't, like, start out with watching comedy on the Internet. I mean, there just wasn't really anything, you know. It's crazy to be like the Internet was not a player at all in (laughs) stand-up when we started. And, um, you know, so you were just like, I'm going to say whatever I guess. I feel like I'm going to say, like, you know, and, and so I would guess a lot of these comedians come out of the gates now feeling really polished and sharp and strong, but I bet that they're absolutely <laughs> leaning on someone else's act a little bit, you know, not taking yeah. it, but just, you know, definitely uh, whatever. I don't know. It's But it's great. It makes me excited that people are really enjoying it as an art form when we're, like, in this digital age. Um, there's just nothing really more bare bones than stand up. So it's exciting that people want to keep doing it. Yeah, just just you and them, you know. It's very. Yep. Uh, it's so like Greek theater. <laughs> just like, yeah, I like for me, it's, it's like almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I used to be, it used to freak me out, and now, like now that I'm in it for different reasons, like it's almost empowering. Like. Oh, here's a place I can be relevant for a change. You know? Absolutely. Or like just have like true people skills and interpersonal skills and like 
like there's just the fact that like I'm just talking to a crowd like no gimmick and I'm just making them laugh and we're interacting as humans. It's it's definitely like a really powerful thing. Yeah. The thing, uh, like going back a, a second, the the thing that I find with the internet, like with so much comedy at our disposal, is I feel like every premise has been expired. You know, like oh, every yeah, time with I Twitter and yeah, yeah, like every time I like go to write something, I'm like, ah, so and so did that, and it's better. You know, and like, like I find myself looking for comics who've already done the thing that I want to do so I can talk myself out of doing it almost. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm living in a kind of dangerous world where I'm very out of touch with who does what, you know. Um, I definitely believe in parallel thought. There's a lot of smart, funny people, all with similar lifestyles, and it's not weird that you come to the same conclusions on the same topic, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just who has time to, like, keep tabs on every comedian. Like, I'm just not interested. I don't care. Like, if I find out that I've done something that, like, you know, someone else is doing, well, then it's all right. No big deal. Like, I'll stop doing it. But it's, like, it's never on purpose, you know. And, um, you know, and that's only come up, like, once, and it was, like, not even that similar, and I stopped doing it for a little bit, and then I was like, you know what, fuck this, and then, like, talked about it more with the (laughs) talked about it more with the comedian, and it's like, it turns out the jokes aren't even that similar, and he he didn't even care. He was just letting me know that some of his weird trollish fans were, like, like, tweeted a few things at him, and it was more just, like, if you hear anything, like, don't pay attention to them, fuck them, blah, blah, blah. But you get so nervous. You don't want someone, because, like, you watch these, like, stupid, like, you know, blogs blowing people up and like trying to destroy their life and credibility, and it's like for a joke, no thanks. Yeah, that that upsets me in a whole different way. Like to me, like those people are just like the lady at the restaurant who wants the chef fired because she didn't like her steak. You know, like wh- why are you bothering this guy's lifestyle? Because like, his livelihood is based on this job, and you want to destroy it because, like, you were unhappy with your meal, you asshole, you know? And, yeah, like, that's I mean, the is, like... Well, yeah, you <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in traffic. <laughs> I was getting honked at. Um, well, I mean, yeah. I'm definitely talking more about, like, the, the like, comedian infighting or, like, comedy battles or, you know, like, when people have beef with each other, public beef or something like that. I'm just not never trying to get into anything like that where I'm like, well, I don't care enough. Like, if it's a, a joke that's personal to me and it's, like, a personal story of mine and someone else has something like it, well, then, like, fuck them. It's my life. You can't tell me my life it didn't happen to me. But if it's right, just, right, like, right. When, when you just do, like, a goofy premise, that's not really connected to anything personal, that's when you're going to have, that's when you're going to see more of the parallel thinking, when it's not really grounded in your personal sort of reality in life. Yeah. And that's when it's easier to say, like, fine, I won't do it. It's just, like, I was just literally thinking up premises. uh, Hey, Brooke, uh, I made it. I I got knocked out a few times, but I, uh, um, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, have uh, fun at your show tonight. 
Hey, thank you so much. Have fun hosting. And tell right. New York I say hello. Okay. I will. I will. All right. Take care. All Bye. Right. You're a jerk, Neil.